How many of you uh, have heard of the World's Strongest Man competitions? You ever watch those on TV? I haven't watched them in a while, but I used to love watching those. Uh, and it was always incredible. If you don't know uh, what those are, it's basically a competition among men to see who's the strongest, which is why they call it the World's Strongest Man competition. Uh, it kind of speaks for itself, right? But they, instead of doing things like lifting uh, you know, weights and sitting on a bench and doing weights or whatever. They do some crazy events if you've ever watched it, like pull a bus or lift a car or flip tractor tires that weigh several hundred pounds or lift these big atlas stones and try and pick them up. And it, I mean, these guys are just humongous and they, they look big, but they are just muscle. They are pure muscle and they are huge guys. And it's incredible some of the feats that, of strength that they do. But that's one side of the spectrum, and, and not that that doesn't require some of what I'm going to talk about, but there's another feat of strength that I think about uh, came uh, into my mind a few, it's been about 10 years ago, uh, read a couple of books, and I was it's been on the radar, but really wasn't in my purview, uh, something called ultra marathons. Have you ever heard of ultra marathons? Because there's a difference between a, a feat of strength that requires physical ability and then there's another kind of, of feat of strength that also requires some mental, mental capacity to be able to push through certain things, to be able to do certain things beyond just what our physical capabilities might be. And I look at ultramarathoning as being one of those things. If you never heard of ultramarathoning, uh, ultramarathon uh, is 20, 26 miles, just over 26 miles. Ultramarathon is anything over 26 miles. Uh, most of the time, though, it's between 60 and 100 miles, a race, between 60 and 100 miles. Some of them, they can range between those ranges or even a little bit further sometimes. They've even done some where you run for 24 hours straight. Can you imagine that? I, I mean, I can't even drive for 24 hours straight, much less run for 24 hours straight. And, and so it's just this, it's this not just physical capability, but it is the, this mental capacity to be able to push through, to have some mental strength and, and fortitude to be able to break through or push through certain breaking points along the way. Because you, you cannot run an ultra marathon. Inevitably, you are going to come to some walls, right? Inevitably, you're going to hit a wall that you have to push through, both mentally and physically. And you cannot train for an ultra marathon, or even a marathon for that matter. I don't know how many of you have ran in, in marathons before. But you cannot train for an ultra marathon, especially for a point in the race that you won't need your strength and energy renewed. If you're going to run an ultra marathon, or again, even a marathon, you are going to need a strategy for keeping your strength up, not simply physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. So let me ask you a question that I already know the answer to. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this, how many of you could use some more strength? How many of you could use a, a little more strength or a lot more strength or a heap load of strength? All of the above, right? We all said amen. And no, I'm not talking, although it would be nice, this would be a gift, right? To have some more physical strength, some more physical energy. I'm not talking about that, although there probably does come some of that, as we talked about a little bit last week, and I'll mention that again in just a second. But I'm talking about a different kind of strength, a strength that is only found in 
our Lord and our Savior and our God, a strength that only he can give. And in fact, if you look, by the way, uh, in the New Testament, the Christian life is often portrayed as a race, even a marathon. The Apostle Paul uses that language. The book of Hebrews uses that language. And so last week, kind of building off what we talked about last week, last week we talked about this idea of, 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 of starting fresh, and if you haven't watched that uh, lesson, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it because it, it will help to, it's not going to have any bearing necessarily on what we're talking about as far as leading into it. But I, I, hopefully it, it does make some sense as we kind of push from that into what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. But we talked a lot about starting this idea of, of not just a fresh start that we have at the beginning of the new year, but starting fresh, starting from a place of rest. But the reality is that's all good and well to start fresh, Right? But we got to continue in that, right? We, we can't just start fresh. We need to continually be refreshed and renewed and have our strength renewed. And so this morning, we're starting a new series called, as you can see, Strengthened. Because it's not just about having a place where we start from rest and strength, but being strengthened along the way. And we're going to take some time to learn or maybe relearn how to find strength in the Lord. So as we start off our series today, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, if you would, or you can follow along on the screen. Before we get there, though, let me give you a little backstory about what's going on. So David, King David, is anointed uh, by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. He defeats the, uh, the, the giant Goliath. He becomes so popular in Israel that Saul, who's the current king of Israel, sees him as a threat and decides to eliminate him. Now he is a threat because God is going to give him the kingdom. Saul doesn't quite know that yet, but he doesn't care. He's trying to eliminate uh, David. And so David spends a long season of his life as a fugitive on the run from King Saul, and it wears him out, as you can imagine. And so David decides that he's going to leave the land ruled by Saul, which in some ways makes a little bit of sense, but, but then what he does next, because <coughs> he's being chased by Saul, doesn't make total sense because God's still made this promise, so he should be trusting in God. But from a human perspective, it definitely does make sense. But he's going to leave the land, that, that, this promised land of Israel, he's going to leave the land ruled by Saul, and he is going to go into Philistine territory. These were the enemies of the Israelites. And so David decides to move among the people that God had anointed him to remove. And he spent 16 months serving the king of the enemies of the people of God. This is King David. So much so that David and his 600 men even volunteered to go with the king of the Philistines when he plans to go make war against Israel. Of course, when they got to the site of the battle, the Philistines start questioning this decision. The soldiers start questioning this decision and saying, well, hold on a second, we're going to war with Israel. David is an Israelite. We don't know if he's going to betray us. So they end up sending him back, even though the king trusted David. They're going to send uh, the Israelites back. We're, you know, we're not sure if he won't betray us, so we're just going to send him back. And they all go back to base camp three, day, three days away, David and his 600 men. That's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites, another group of people, had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. 
and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. And so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. One of the things that I appreciate, and I can't cover everything that goes on in this story, so excuse me if I skip around on some things. You're welcome to go read that. Um, But it's just impossible to cover everything on, on a Sunday morning or any given Sunday morning or even in a series. But one of the things that I do love about Scripture is its honesty. Uh, you read through about these men and women, and I, and I appreciate that Scripture, and, and now sometimes this does cause some problems because people don't always know how to process that. But one of the things I, I love about Scripture is you, 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 you find these men and women, they're, they're not put up on this pedestal. They're not put up in this place where, you know, they're to be idolized and they never do anything wrong. Yes, they are, they are seen as faithful and they're put up as faithful, but they are also very, very flawed men and women. And in this story, it's clear, David is a weak man in more ways than one and for several reasons that I think we can all relate a little bit to, especially when I think about where we have been and where we are in our country and in our world. Uh, One reason is just physical exhaustion. And these are not in your notes. You're more than welcome to write them down. They're not on the screen, um, but just some things out of the text. One of these is physical exhaustion. David and his men were just physically worn out after all their traveling and marching and fighting. In fact, later in the story, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he's got 600 men and they go off to chase the Amalekites and 200 of the men don't go because it says they were too exhausted. Now, let me ask you, how exhausted do you have to be to not go after, to not chase after men who have taken your women, your your wives, and your your sons, and your daughters, and your stuff? How exhausted do you have to be? And that's not a slight on them. It is to say that's how worn out they were. They could not literally take another step. Just like some of us. At least we feel that way sometimes. Sometimes. We're just worn out. We talked about that a little bit last week. And, and, and some of it is, is justified. Some of it is we are just trying to live at a pace that we cannot maintain. We've got this and this and this, and it is just taking a toll on us. And if we don't make the time, not just take the time, make the time, as we talked about last week, uh, to find some rest and have our strength renewed, then inevitably we're going to suffer physical and emotional and spiritual Weakness. Another reason for weakness is substantial loss. It says that David and his men, when they lost their families, mourned so much they had no strength left to weep. You ever been there? They had no strength left to weep. They had no tears left. It just feels like one thing after another, and you're just exhausted and you're weak. That's where David's men were. Another factor in, in feeling weak and depleted is relational tension. <clears throat> text says that David uh, was deeply distressed because in a moment of crisis, the people he usually turned to were thinking about turning on him. And I think about the situation in our country and in our world 
where we are right now and where tensions are and relationships are in many people. I mean, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many friends were, have been lost on Facebook or, you know, other social media sites? Relationships fractured because of the last, you know, couple of years and everything that's gone on in our country and in our world. And each fracture created another leak in the strength tank. We've let so many issues in our world and in our country build walls between people when we should be building bridges. And it's just exhausting to live under constant relational tension. But perhaps the greatest cause of weakness of all is irrational fear. What has David, king of Israel, at this time not quite king, but anointed to be king, man after God's own heart, we're we're, we're told, What is David doing living among the enemies of God for 16 months? 16 months, not 16 days or weeks, 16 months. We'll go back a few chapters and listen to what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 27. These five words, I think, hang on to those for a second. But David thought to himself... I'll come back to that, but that's, I think that's part of our problems. But David thought to himself, and here's what he thought. One of these days, I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. <coughs> the best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. So this is, he's been anointed. He's killed Goliath by God's hand. And yet for David, here's where he is. One of these days I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hands. Again, notice those first words. David thought to himself. And I would contend that when you and I deal with the most emotional and spiritual weaknesses in our lives, it is because of what we are thinking. It is because of the thoughts that we are telling ourselves or vice versa, the thoughts that we are not telling ourselves that we should be telling and reminding ourselves. David drew conclusions that were counter to the word that he had received from the Lord, the direct word that he had received from the Lord, that he was going to be the next king of Israel. But David allowed his, <coughs> excuse me, allowed fear to shape his view of the future more than faith. Let me say that again, because I think this is what's happened to us and oftentimes continuously happens to us. David let fear shape his view of the future more than faith. And I wonder how many of us that could be said about today. And you think about how we've done that over the last couple of years in particular. And even now, we have let fear and worry and anxiety dictate how we anticipate the future more than faith. I mean, think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. You know, he talks about worry and anxiety. Did any of you get an inch taller this year by worrying? Did any of you add an hour to your life by worrying? In fact, you probably took more than a few hours off of your life by worrying. At least that's what science tells us. Has fear and anxiety and worry made anybody here stronger? Anybody look back on your life and say, yep, that fear and that worry only made me stronger, right? 
No. You know, it's interesting in these four chapters where David lived with the Philistines for 16 months, you don't read one time of David praying to God. You don't read one time of David worshiping God. It seems to be a season where he is disconnected from God. But when David hit rock bottom, sometimes that's what it takes, he remembered to look up. And that's where you find that little but very important phrase that I maybe read through a little bit too quickly, partly on purpose. But David found strength. Not his own strength, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Now to be clear, the challenge in front of David was not over. It was not finished. It was not taken care of. That was still there. Okay, Saul's still alive. There's still things to to do. The challenge is still there. But once again, his strength tank was filled. Now, I wish the text revealed a little bit more as to how David went about doing that. That would be very beneficial for us. It'd be like, here's how David did this. One, two, three. And you'd be like, yes, I get to take that home. Uh, I don't know all the answers. We can can make some... some, some, uh, um, not summations, uh, we, we, can, we can make some uh, conclusions or try to draw some conclusions, and I'm going to do that. Uh, but we don't know exactly what David did specifically to renew his strength. Uh, but one thing I know is he must have, that he must have done is renew his communion with God that he had let slide. Because listen to what David writes in Psalm 18, which is most likely, if you read in your uh, Bibles, there's probably a heading that says written when he was on the run from his enemies or on the run from Saul or maybe both. And um, so we know it's written around this time that this is going on. Listen to what David writes. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. David said, I was at the bottom. I was in crisis and I was depleted and I cried out to God and he heard me and he gave me strength. And it is encouraging to realize that God made his strength available to David where David was, not where David should have been. That's encouraging to me because sometimes we've got, we think we've got to get this right and we've got to get that right and we've got to get to this place and God desires for you to grow, but he willingly gives his strength right where you are. And some of you need to hear that this morning. That God gives his strength where you are, not where you ought to be. He wants to give it right where you are. You may feel depleted, but you don't have to stay defeated because God truly does desire, just as he did with David, for you and me to be strengthened in him. So let me just give you a few takeaways this morning from the story of David that I hope will encourage your hearts and strengthen your hearts. And the first is this. When you're strengthened, you can reclaim what the enemy has stolen. 
Now let me also say this. You can hold on to what the enemy is trying to steal as well. But in this case, from the story that we read about David, he's reclaiming something. He should have never lost it in the first place. And God, there are, and, and, and God desires for things in your life to never be taken away. We give them away. We allow the enemy to steal them. But when we are strengthened, we can reclaim what the enemy has stolen. You see, after getting his strength renewed, it says that David inquired of the Lord what he should do next. Again, something that it doesn't appear he did for 16 months when he lived with the Philistines. And the Lord said to David, go and chase after your enemies and go get your families. And weakness is repelled when a word from the Lord is received. And so it says in 1 Samuel chapter, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 30, verses 18 and 19, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. There's going to be a test afterwards. You have to spell these. Amalekites had taken. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought back everything. Everything. When you are strengthened, you can reclaim what the enemy has taken. Now, I am not suggesting that the, that the strong person never suffers loss. That is not what I am saying. Please don't hear what I am not saying. I, I don't care how, how much strength in the Lord you have, you are still going to suffer loss. As evidence, go read the book of Job. I know that's a tough book in a lot of different ways, so if you have questions, please ask somebody. But that's a great example of just because you are strong doesn't mean you will not suffer some loss along the way. What I am saying is when you are strong, the enemy can steal, can't steal what God desires for you to hold on to. The enemy cannot steal the blessings that God desires for you to have. And yet far too often we allow the enemy to take some things that he has no legitimate right to have. How about your intimacy with Jesus Christ? Satan can't take that. We can let him have it. He can't take it. What about the guidance of the Holy Spirit? That is a blessing that you should always have. What about the assurance of your salvation? Satan tries to take that all the time. And I know some of you struggle with, that's not something the enemy has a right to. That's something God has blessed you with. You are secure in what God has done for you. What about the unconquerable and inexplicable peace that Jesus wants every Christian to live with? Have you lost that? What about your hope through the future, in spite of what may be going on around us, there are promises that God gives that we can hold fast to, just like David could have. And yet he let other things get in the way. Some of us have allowed the enemy to steal and to claim what he has no right to possess. And we need to learn, or in some cases relearn, how to find our strength in the Lord because when you are strong, you can reclaim what the enemy has stolen. Here's the second takeaway. Take you cannot be strong for long without God. Now, inevitably, you can't truly be strong without him, but you cannot even be strong in your own strength for very long without God. Life is hard, right? I don't need amens to know the answer to that question. Life is hard. And sometimes seasons of life that are hard, just seem to go on and on and on. I was thinking about, and I know I keep making reference to the last couple of years, I was thinking about how, how just, you know, as we're starting the new year and thinking about how it's, you know, 
the time frame that we've been in for the last couple of years, it's been hard, right? And I know for a lot of us, it was like, well, once we get through this period, things will get better, right? Let me ask you, is life still hard? And guess what? If we have another pandemic or another season of craziness, it'll be hard. And guess what? And when we get out of it, life will still be hard. And guess what? There'll be something after that. Aren't you encouraged by being here today? Yes, say amen. Life is hard. And it's going to continue to be hard. And you cannot finish your race well in the power of the flesh. You need a kind of renewing that can only come from eternal source. And let's be honest, in the last couple of years, some of us have gotten disconnected from that source. And we've let so many other things get in the way of the strength that can only come by being connected to God and to his people. You cannot be strong for long without God and without his people. That's not how God designed us. It's not how God designed you. You can't do it. And it's time to strengthen ourselves in the Lord by reconnecting to him and what's important, reconnecting to his strength, reconnecting to his story instead of all the other narratives that this world is pushing that only fill us with fear. That's a huge, huge part of why we meet together, why it's so important for us to meet together. It's not just so we can check something off of our list and say, yeah, I made it to church today. No, this, this is important because we're reminding ourselves of the story that we live in, the story that we're meant to live in, not the story that, that our world pushes, not the story that even David fell victim to of fear and of, of, of disregarding the promises of God, but living in the story that God desires for us to live in in that Jesus Christ has died to take away all our sins right that's why we come together and we don't do this anymore I don't even know why but we that's why we take bread and we take juice to remind us of that reality every single week you know why because we need to be reminded of that reality so many other realities we don't need to be reminded of because we are reminded of them constantly by this world that we live in, we need to be drawn back to what is important, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he came up out of the grave, that he conquered death, that he sits on the throne, that he is coming back one day to make this world right. Let that be the story that we live in instead of all the other narratives that this world is peddling. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 40, beautiful passage, starting in verse 29, he gives strength to the weary, and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Again, I love the honesty. You're going to get tired. That's not abnormal. In fact, it's abnormal if you don't get tired. You are going to get weak. We all need our strength renewed, but the only way to truly do that is by putting your hope in the Lord. Strong for long is a gift from God, but it is a gift that has to be sought. 
And so that's the third takeaway. Strength must be pursued and renewed. It does not come by osmosis. It doesn't even, I'm glad you're here this morning. It doesn't simply come by being here this morning. If this is the only strength that you get out of the rest of the week, if you never open this up during the rest of the week, if you never take time to worship and praise the God that you say you serve, if you never take time to commune with him in prayer, you are not going to get any strength. You are not pursuing strength. You're hoping that it pursues you. Strength must be pursued and renewed. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Nobody drifts into greater strength. Like, we get this in the physical world, right? How many of you drove by a gym this, this week and suddenly had bigger muscles? Anybody? Anybody? I need to know what gym you're going to. If, if that's the case, right? Now, the difference is in a physical sense, we, 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 we have to make our own strength. In a, in a spiritual sense, God gives us the strength. I don't want to, don't, don't, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. But we get this in a physical sense, that, that we, don't, we don't just by osmosis get stronger. It has to be pursued. It has to be renewed. And so let's, let's make sure we get straight who the source is, but let's also understand the principle. And let me say this, the strongest Christians I know have all had this in common. They had a lifestyle of certain intentional practices in their lives that help build their faith muscles and pursue God's filling of strength. They were not perfect. They were very flawed people and they will continue to be flawed people because they are people. But they had certain and have certain practices in their lives that, that build up their faith muscles. And if we're going to be strengthened, there has to be a commitment in our lives to certain practices. And next week, we are going to talk about some of those things, and I hope you'll join us for that. Some of those strength builders that the Bible gives us that we ought to pursue. But let me just give you one, and it's at the top of the list today when it comes to, to what we need to be or what we need to do, and that is that we need to know that we need to be strengthened. Like one of the, the biggest ideas is simply that we need to pursue it. That we need it. That we can't live, we can't function, we can't be the people that God desires us to be in this world without his strength. You cannot do it. Here's a good prayer from Isaiah chapter 33. Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning. What if every day this week that was your prayer? And maybe for some of you, your day needs to start more with a prayer. Instead of checking this thing, I won't ask for a show of hands of how many of you reach for that first thing in the morning. Some, don't tap the person next to you either. That's not cool either. Okay. <laughs> he needs to, you need to hear this. Yeah. Um, but what if that was our prayer? God, make me strong today. Help me to find my strength in you today. And what if we believe that God will answer that prayer where we are and not simply where we ought to be? Because here's the fourth takeaway. God is eager to make you stronger. Isn't that a, isn't that a blessing to know? There's not some secret code that we've got to figure out 
There's not some you know, amount of, uh, you know, if you go to the gym, there's not some amount of reps or some diet plan or some workout plan that you got to follow and you got to hit this right. God is eager to give you his strength. He wants you to have it. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You see, it is always God's will to give us the strength that we need to be the right people and to do the right thing. That is always God's desire to be the right people and to do the right thing. I think a great example of this, we're going to celebrate tomorrow Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I think he's a great example of that. But before there was a father of the civil rights movement, there was a, a mother of the civil rights movement, a woman by the name of Rosa Parks. December 1st, 1955, she's going home from work. She gets on a bus. She goes to the back of the bus where the blacks were supposed to sit. So she sits down, bus stops again, a white man gets on. Front of the bus is full, so he goes to the back of the bus, tells her to get up. She refuses. She got arrested, and a movement was born. And in her autobiography, she wrote this. When I sat down on the bus that day, I had no idea history was being made. I was only thinking of getting home, but I'd made up my mind. After so many years of being victim of the mistreatment of my people, being a victim of the mistreatment my people suffered, not giving up my seat or whatever I had to face afterwards was not important. I did not feel any fear sitting there. I felt the Lord would give me the strength to, to endure whatever I had to face. It was time for someone to stand up, or in my case, sit down. She called her autobiography, Quiet Strength. God will always give you the strength to be the right person and to do the next right thing. He did for Jesus. Maybe it will encourage you to know that even Jesus felt weakness. He felt weak. It's the night before he's going to the cross and he's praying, Father, if there is any other way, but I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. Not my will, but Father, yours be done. And I love this verse in Luke chapter 22, verse 43. It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. God desires to answer your prayer for more strength. That's what he desires. Even Jesus knew weak, but Jesus also knew that the Father is eager to make his children stronger. I'll close with these wonderful words that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So where do you need some strength today? Where do you need some strength right now? Here's the beautiful thing. God's supply never runs out. There's no, remember we had those supply issues? We still have some. God never has a supply issue. Never too late. 
He's right on time. It, it may not be in your timing, but I guarantee you his strength will always be right on time. His strength is always available to us. Just ask. Just ask. And he will strengthen 